Welcome once again to the Blind Podcasters Roundtable here on Clubhouse and also made available in the Blind Podmaker feed. I'm Jonathan Mosen. It's good to have you with us today. Now, before we get into our presentation today, just a reminder that PodFest is coming up. This is the PodFest Masterclass. And I'm giving a speech there or a presentation there on Friday of this week in the pre-week. And they tell me that it is a keynote. I'm sure they say that to everybody, but that's all right. And I'm talking about being a rainmaker and getting content from your audience and how to engage. And really excited about doing that. Now, PodFest Masterclass has a basic tier of $99. Coincidentally enough, I have a coupon that gives you $99 off, which means you can get in for free to the basic tier. Now, the basic tier doesn't allow you to uh, keep recordings of the event or anything like that, but it does allow you to attend. They use an app called Hoover, spelt W-H-O-V-A, and it has its moments with accessibility, but it is doable. And it is a chance to meet with other podcasting experts to hone your craft or get started if you've been wanting to get started on the Blind Podmaker email list, the creator's email list, which we've set up, and also on all my Mosin at Large channels, including the show notes of the most recent podcast, I have put the link to the uh, events so you can click through there and also the coupon that you need to enter for that $99 discount which is blind podmaker all one word if you want you can just go to the eventbrite site and search for podfest masterclass and apply that coupon code blind podmaker for $99 off which does give you free access to the basic tier so look forward to seeing some of you there it's a really good experience and a way to uh, get some um, info about podcasting. But we are focusing today on Reaper, which is one of my very favorite topics in the whole world. I used to use a mishmash of tools to get my audio done, and eventually just found myself migrating completely to Reaper. Reaper is the only digital audio workstation package I now have installed on my PC. I produce everything with it, including uh, video messages for my staff, by the way, which I do record in a different app, but then bring into Reaper for processing and editing. So it's an amazing app. It works on PC and Mac. And the accessibility, thanks to Osira, which I'm sure that Derek will talk about, is just first class. So let me introduce to you uh, our guest, uh, someone I've known for a very long time and who really knows his stuff, Derek Lane. He is a uh, an audio engineer, a teacher, and all kinds of other things. Derek, it's great to have you joining us via Clean Feed for those people interested in the geekery. And it's incredible to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, so I'm going to hand it over to you and you can take as long as you like to do your thing and then we're going to open it up for questions. If you have a question, you are welcome to raise your hand during Derek's presentation and we'll come to you when it's over. So we'll uh, go over to you. All right. Well, I will uh, definitely do some presenting, but I want to stop along the way from time to time to field questions because talking to people rather than at them is infinitely more fun from this perspective anyway. So that having been said... Uh, Reaper is admittedly a pretty daunting program at first because you open it up and you are presented with a screen that has uh, nothing that helpful on it. A menu bar with a vast array of options and no tracks. And so the learning curve is a little bit steep, but once you're in it, uh, you're going to win it with your production, let me tell you. Reaper is an acronym stands for Rapid Environment for Audio Production, Engineering, and Recording. And OSARA, which Jonathan mentioned before, is not Mufasa's lost twin or a Pokemon. It's an acronym as well. It's, let's see if I can remember it, <laughs> the Open Source Accessibility for the Reaper Application. Yeah, I had to like count that off on my, in my head. O-S-A-R-A. Yeah, that's what it is. Open Source Accessibility for the Reaper Application. And it talks to Reaper directly and then talks to your screen reading software of choice directly so not only do you get a lot of feedback from reaper itself with osara but you get it very quickly so you can get down to work and uh, you know do what you need to do reaper unlike most editors that we have used in the past and promoted in the past is in its nature non-destructive and what that means is that it lets us make a huge 
awesome, epic amount of mistakes and fix it pretty easily. Fix things pretty easily. Because, for example, let's say you make a recording and you're editing the audio and you save your work and then realize later, I deleted a whole chunk of stuff I didn't mean to. Well, when you save your work in Reaper, you are saving a project file. You are not saving your audio directly. And so when you save your project, that means that you have just saved instructions that Reaper is to follow when playing back your audio. And so, of course, since you're just dealing with instructions and not, you know, syncing your um, editing chops into the audio directly, you can just change those instructions at any point and bring back things that you thought were gone, as long as the original media that you recorded is still intact. The implications, other than just fixing mistakes made in a hurry, are huge because let's say you're doing a radio show and the time changes and you have this really nice promo that you produced or that somebody else produced. Just re-record the part of your voiceover that deals with the time change and save it out and uh, do uh, what's called a render, which is Reaper's name uh, for basically taking your project and mixing it down into one file of your choice a WAV file or an MP3 file, things like that. And along the way, if, since we're talking about podcasting and stuff, you want to set up uh, podcast chapters in Reaper, of course you can do that as well. Um, honestly, the the potential is... in <laughs> It's limitless. I've been using this thing since 2010, constantly learning and seeing both the accessibility and the actual application itself improving dramatically. Um, and it's fun to use for me. It's fun to learn about. And it's really fun to teach as well. Because just watching people take their ideas and make them happen is kind of cool. All right. So we'll have a look at questions. And we have a couple. I should just say that to give you an example of how versatile Reaper is, we have a mix of this going out to Clubhouse, and obviously it's all just one source because everybody needs to hear everything on Clubhouse. Meanwhile, in Reaper, I am on one track, Derek is on another track, and our contributors from Clubhouse are on yet another track. That allows me to do so much after this event for the recording. It means that I can equalize everything separately, apply different effects if necessary. It also means, for example, that if Derek chooses to have a good old cough, while I'm talking, and he's up in the mix, <laughs> I can edit him out chair. because he's on a separate Squeaking the chair. Let's squeak the chair. Now, uh, I can talk. I can completely be rude and interrupt Jonathan, but he's on a separate track. And so if he chooses to just completely make me seem like I'm a whole lot less of a rude of an individual, yeah, he could do that because he could just it, move it, that piece of audio. And it can actually aside. help a lot when you're dealing with interrupting. Voip- VoIP, appli- <laughs> VoIP applications <laughs> have a bit of latency, you see. It can help a lot in that regard as well. But I did an interview once. It was a very good interview, thanks to the interviewee, I should add. But every time I asked a question, the interviewee took an opportunity to have a good old cough. And if I had recorded that in a single track editor, there's really not a lot I could have done other than re-record my questions, completely delete that section. But because the interviewee was on a separate track... I was able to just edit out that part of that track, leaving my question intact and continue with the interview. So in a podcasting context, that gives you an example of some of the things that you can do. Uh, Also recording screen reader demos, for example, you can uh, even everybody out. So you can be on one track, your screen reader with the right equipment can be on another track, and then you can balance everything out afterwards. So Anyway, a lot of uh, I could gush gush lyrically about Reaper for the whole thing, but instead we're going to talk to Iona. Yeah, I, I was having to accept the rules at the club, and then it was getting all mixed up. Sorry. Right. Um, yes. So thanks so much, and I, I followed all your tutorials, tutorials, and it's really a pleasure. And uh, I just had a question that is less related to the beginner stuff, so I don't know if you want me already to to ask that one now. But basically, it was more about how to add in effects for the Mac in Reaper. Like basically I'm looking for good reverbs like impulse control reverbs and stuff like that. And I have no idea where to start looking for accessible things that work for the Mac. But maybe that's a little 
It's a little deep, but what I will tell you is there are a lot of free impulse response libraries on the Internet if you search for them. Reverb is uh, spelled with R-E-A, verb, because that's the actual plugin itself, is the plugin you would use for the addition of the uh, impulse responses to your track. And so you just press F. If the list comes up, there's no effects there, and you don't have the uh, automatic uh, opening of the effects dialog set to do its thing, press A to bring that up, add your reverb to your track, mm-hmm. and then um, get some impulse responses and press the add button, click file, and then browse to the impulse and then configure it from there. You'll have your dry, your wet, a pre-delay, and some other toys in there to play with. It's not and particularly fancy in its raw form, but it's very powerful with the right impulses. Wonderful. And and I, they're all similar in interface. I don't have to, like, I get some and they're totally not accessible for the Mac or something. Right. An impulse response can be a WAV file or, or something like that. It is a bunch of oh, samples because impulse responses are multiplication. As opposed to mixing stuff together, you're doing one thing times another. Yeah, got it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ayana. How do you create those impulse responses, Derek? Is that a simple process? Um, yes, actually it is. It's, it's akin to what we would do back in the day with acoustic mirror. So there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, the three. The first is direct IR, which is where you take exactly one pulse of a square wave and you put it through whatever you're trying to emulate. And that's great for like a digital reverb or something. And then what you get out the other end is the um, bitstream of that reverb. Uh, the easiest way to do it is to like clap your hands or pop a balloon or something in an empty room and record that and trim off the silence. But, you know, the color is like the way you clap your hand can severely change the EQ of the reverb, you know, versus or or, you know different sounds entirely. Um, Another way is to use convolution. So you generate a test tone sweep in Reaper, you record it through a very accurate speaker, and then you put that speaker in the room and some microphones in the same room. And Reaper will compare the original tone sweep with your recording of the tone sweep, do the division to get all the samples that have changed, and been created through that process, make a WAV file, and that is your impulse response, and it will make that room sound uh, available to you on anything you put through it. It's quite cool. Yeah, the context I'm thinking of for this in a po- in a podcasting sense is if you have recorded an interview remotely, perhaps you've taken a device such as the one we've been talking about a lot on here lately, the Zoom PodTrack P4, and you have mm-hmm. a couple of mics and you've recorded an interview with someone remotely, and then you've taken that back and you've got it off the SD card and it's in Reaper for editing, and there may be, say, a question that you just mangled and you want to ask that question. But obviously, if you record that question again in your studio, it's not going to sound the same. So presumably, if you did the right thing with impulse responses, you could re-record that question and make it sound as if you had stated that question in the same place that the interview was recorded. Yeah, you could. Um, You may not have thought to get the impulse on location, but you could probably find one similar. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. To it. All right, good stuff. Let's go to Gary O'Donoghue. Are you on your P4 again, Gary? Uh, I am. I am, yes. Uh, So, yeah, that's working very well. Um, Thanks for doing this, and and thanks to Derek for doing this. I have so many questions, but I I will will restrict myself, obviously. A couple of things. One is, could you tell us what block size does when you're setting up your audio device in Reaper? I've never understood where I should put it and what I should do with it. The second related question to that is, I use Reaper on, on the Mac and, the, and Windows, depending on, on what I'm doing and where I am. It, the, the audio subsystems have baffled me on, the, on, on Windows for a long time. Is, is there a way where to have your um, interface plugged in with your microphone when you're going to record onto one track, but without having to fiddle around too much, uh, get the PC to, to, on another track, listen to the output of your browser, for example. Um, you know, on, on the Mac, it's great because you have loopback and, and you create a, a composite sort of device. And 
stuff you know you just feed everything through that and reaper mm-hmm. can listen to it all i'm just wondering if there's a way on 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 the pc um, and a quick quickly squeezing a very very quick third one is there um a sort of accessible way of detecting where where your clipping is in a in a in a file so obviously a sighted person can see the where the waveforms are flattened and they you know they can go and treat individual little bits of clipping to so that they're not kind of compressing or taking down the volume of everything, for example. Is there a way we can do that? Um, okay, well, let me take those one at a time and hope I remember all three, because they're great. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> um, so the first is block size is basically think about little buckets of uh, data containing your audio. And the bigger they are, the more audio is in them, but the heavier they are to lift. And so the longer they're going to take to get there. The upshot of which is that if something spills a little bit, um, you know, there's some, some tolerance and some, some ways to clean that up along the way. You know, if you're frantically scurrying to deliver the audio quickly, uh, you could potentially run into some jittering, some clicking, some popping, different things like that. If your system's under a lot of load. So the bigger the block size the more stable, but the more latent. Um, I'm running 64 over here, and and I'm I'm doing fine with that. But some people have to go higher, and some people can go lower. Um, So I hope that helped. Absolutely. So you're aiming to go lower if you can, are you? If you can. Effectively. Yeah. Yeah. But if things start clicking and... and, Then you need to go back up. You got to go back up a little bit more. Got it. Um... The audio subsystem thing in Windows, the two you want to really be able to play with to get the best results are either ACO, which is what a lot of the more professional interfaces use, and uh, WAS API in shared mode. That's the easiest to get going because it will work with the most devices without fighting to try to take your screen reader off of them. Although, really, if you can get your screen reader off of the device you're using Reaper with in a professional setting... Um, that's going to give you a lot of advantages. Even if your hardware is technically capable of it, you get more advantage of Reaper if you can move your screen reader somewhere else. But I've edited on the internal uh, sound chip of a laptop many, many times. So, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. It's just not as flexible. But would I be right in um, saying you can't, you, can't listen to, you can't listen to your audio interface and record off, say, the... Um, the web browser via the internal sound card of the the machine at the same time. You have to choose a device kind of thing. Right. Because even if you chose Wasapi Loopback, because you have uh, WAS, excuse me, can't talk today, WAS API, you got exclusive, shared, and Loopback. Even if you chose Loopback, uh, anything going through that interface would, of course, record, including Reaper's own monitor, so you'd get infinite feedback and very quickly. Yeah. until you put a stop to it or until its auto-mute function kicked in, if you have that on. Just before we go into that third answer, uh, we've been talking about this on the creator's email list about uh, different Windows um, protocols. For me, the difference between WaveOut and WAS API is massive in terms of latency and responsiveness. And then you go to the next level again with ACO. But this is why... It's really important that when we give equipment recommendations, we think about the use case for the individual. And for me, if you're going to spend a lot of time in Windows, getting an audio interface that has a loopback capability built in, which some do now, is a really good investment. So despite its accessibility troubles, I have the Focusrite 8i6, which has loopback. And just for recording screen readers or, in, in fact, I'm using loopback to record Derek off clean feed. You can do these things in the Mac really easily because they've got a much better audio system than we have on Windows. But if you're going to use Windows, then an audio interface with loopback, including the Motu products, uh, it's a really good thing to think about if your use case involves recording off the computer. So well, loopback... the thing is, synchronous audio router is the Mac equivalent of loopback. Yeah, it's quirky, but if you can get it to work, it is quirky. <laughs> it, it grabs onto your audio driver, your ACO interface, and it extends its channel count in playback and recording to however many you want. And each of those extra channels you add shows up as a Windows device 
that you can send anything to or pull anything from. And so it's fantastic to have like a small interface and then have a NVDA track and a Zoom track and a TeamTalk track and a this and a that and just use the sends and receives and Reaper and just bring all these things together as if you had this huge, called? massive... What? What's that one called? Synchronous Audio Router. Okay. Is, that, yeah. is it a bit like virtual audio cable? or? Yes, but it adds no more delay than you have with just using your ACO uh, right. system. Yeah. And I think if somebody's really proficient with their screen reader and knows a bit about audio, uh, it's doable for sure. And, and quite a lot of blind people, quite a few blind people are using it. So I suppose it's about barriers to entry, really, and um, you know, what you're willing to put up with. But yeah. So the technology is there and the quality is there. It's just what we're running into is kind of at this point a, well, the Mac is better, so let's keep developing for the thing that's better. Yeah. As opposed to actually looking at what's there that can be made better, if, I'm, if that makes sense. And so we can do all the same kinds of things with uh, Wasapi and uh, its three modes, but... Mm, a lot of people really haven't implemented it yet because they're like, well, the Mac does this. <laughs> mm. and, and But it's there. Mac's where a lot of audio takes place, you know? I mean, many it audio is. professionals use the Mac. Yeah, They do. And uh, we had a third question from Gary, didn't we? Or did we? Have we covered them all? That was it. I no, believe that was the listening the, oh, good, to the good, browser. Good, okay. And no, no, it, was the, it, it can was be done. About, oh, I was thinking more of the one about um, how, do, how do you see... C clipping. The clipping. The clipping. Yeah. Oh, yes. I just take the item and I select it and then hit control K and that takes me to the loudest peak in the item itself. Okay. And and that's is that that could be utterly momentary though, could it? I mean you, you get no idea of how significant the, the clip is at that point. Well, I mean when you hit play you're on it so you can listen in context. I see. Yeah. Okay. It moves you to the loudest peak. So if you have this recording and you're normalizing it and it doesn't come up in volume at all. Yeah. There's something then you can hit yeah. control K and you can say, oh, okay. I bumped the There's mic about five minutes in. A weird that's thing. It. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. That's really that's helpful. Awesome. Thanks so much, Derek. Absolutely. Thanks, Gary. Good stuff. Next is Mitchell. Hi, Mitchell. I happen to be late to the party. So, uh, but I happen to join in a really interesting time when they were mentioning about impulse responses and reverbs and stuff and someone actually beat me to a trick that i use to make impulse responses of digital reverbs um in and one tip that i would like to bring out is that if you want to make an impulse response of a digital reverb using reaper you need to disable tiny fade in at the beginning of the item it's in the audio it's in the main audio settings dialog so Correct. you can just disable that and then disable it anyway, even for the tone sweep for deconvolution, because you'll miss those lo the the most lows and the the highest highs. You'll miss those both. Sorry, Jonathan, I'm here. So uh, the the call, you know, I I got a call, and unfortunately, iPhone did not connect to microphone. Can I speak now? There we go. Of course, you can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how are you? First of all, very well for a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. Good to hear. Um, I'm good as well. So, Derek, glad to hear you uh, and talking to you. Uh, so, we have, you know, started Reaper with your courses, you know. <laughs> and so, it is really glad to talking to you now. <clears throat> so, I have one comment and one, uh, one question for you. So, uh, the okay. firstly, uh, yeah, I think you, you talked about uh, synchronous audio uh, routing. Or I'm I'm not yes, sure what is the, audio router. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It, this this product will work for WDM devices as well, or just for uh, work for uh, ACO. It will work with WDM devices, but it gets really tricky because you okay. have to use them with ACO for all and virtualize uh -huh. the ACO support, and then hook your synchronous audio router on top of it. So you're holding <laughs> hack upon hack. Really. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it does work. It actually okay, works very it. well. You have a very high potential while you're setting it up of sending your screen reader into oblivion. So either okay. use NVDA with remote 
or JAWS with Tandem or something or a Braille display so that your speech mm -hmm, mm -hmm. will turn up somewhere else on demand if you need it to. Okay. Got it. Um, yeah, you're right. Because hack on hack will do fun things sometimes. <laughs> we need our audio to go okay. where we want it to go. So just, mm -hmm. you know, as they say, constant vigilance. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they are talking on the list as well for RWP. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So uh, my right. uh, comment is about uh, RME sound interfaces that I mentioned before here. Uh, nowadays, there are multiple posts within uh, PodMaker uh, emailing group and also RWP, uh, people looking for loop, uh, you know, uh, interfaces that supports loopback and all, all other functions, you know. So, unfortunately, uh, RME devices are not affordable, you know, but it has loopback function for its all devices. And fortunately, it has built-in ACR and WDM support as well. And the control panel is accessible completely, uh, the, its own control panel. Uh, you can create WDM devices as per channel or stereo channel, uh, whatever you want. And you can route your sound to this, uh, you know, inputs or outputs from your Windows control panel as well. Uh, it is completely possible. And also the last thing for Reaper, uh, sometimes and when I try to record something, for example, for podcasts or something, I'm talking, 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 but I'm, you know, noticing that there is no recording on it. So, Maybe it's so easy and newbie for you, but is there a way to check uh, the recording is ongoing? You know, it's 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 complete. Uh, you know, continue to the recording or it's stopped or uh, while recording, how many minutes was recorded without problem? Or you know, is there a way to do learn that? I'll show you. We'll do it now. Ah, right. So I'm going to pull up Reaper and uh, route everything to it so that you can hear this process occur. And um, we're just going to create a track and set my input to this particular microphone. We, we can't hear your input right now. give you my... I'm sorry? We don't hear I your speech your at the moment. If you, if you no, attend to you're getting there. speech. Okay. We'll get, right. we'll get oh, there. Okay. Okay. I'm just getting all the particulars done that One are zero. irrelevant. All right. So uh, I'm going to arm the track with F7 now that it's created. Arm. And uh, while I'm talking, I'm going to press J and K for the left and right momentary peak meters. One, two, That's the very unscientific way of seeing that I have audio. Minus 37, minus 72. So that dropped when I wasn't talking on the track. So I know I'm pulling from the microphone. It is working. I can Normal. press F8 and uh, monitor the result, which... Um, you will now hear the two, the monitored Reaper path and my path directly. And uh, so I will now press record with R. And I know from the minus point, minus metering that I'm looking at that uh, we're still getting audio. or hearing the two copies of the signal. Another way I can make sure time is slipping into the future at the uh, appropriate rate is just on occasion pressing Control Shift J as well. Mm. This in Windows. It's my friend. And <laughs> R9 before ninety five percent. R10 before eighty seven percent. Control Shift J. Yeah, yeah you, that's you giving me my that. time. Yeah. Uh, okay. And if you press oh, it great, twice, great. you get zero minutes twenty seven point yeah, three zero zero at zero minutes twenty nine point seven. And so that's just you know taken away. And uh, the, the one thing we yeah. should say, though, Derek, is that unless you've changed the default project settings, when you press that Control Shift J, it's going to speak beats, isn't it? Yes. So that's why I said if you press it twice with the default, you're going to get a. Uh, then you're going to get a time that is minutes, seconds. Yeah. You can change that though uh, permanently in Reaper if you're not doing music by bringing up a blank project. And I want to stop Select. this recording and not save it, actually. Rene delete, delete all button. Delete. There we go. going to bring up a blank project in Reaper. We do not want any Reaper. tracks in no this. Button. We Reaper don't want easy. any other settings changed other than what we're about to change. We go to the view menu. Master track control. So you can just press the alt key and then arrow to the right or press alt V. And I'm going to change the ruler and to do that, it's just easier Mass to press the up arrow key. You're going to get to the bottom faster. 
Full screen, always on top. Go to submenu G, zoom submenu Z, time unit for ruler submenu T. Time unit for ruler, go in here. Minutes, seconds M. And just pick the one you want, minutes, seconds. Measures.beats checked M. Wow. Measures.beats, minimal, seconds S. Samples S. Hours, minutes, seconds, frames H. So there's your video. <laughs> um, and you just pick the one you want there. Time. And then to save this so Use. that it applies to everything from this point in the future, by default, press Alt-Enter. I would believe that, I believe that to be option window on Mac. Project option settings. Enter there for them. Property page. And you get your project settings Pages and just okay, find button. the save as default project settings. Save as default project settings button. Press that and you're gold. And you will never see musical notation on your ruler by default. Yep. Yeah, you made my day, my friend. <laughs> so, so no problem. Uh, can I ask a last question or not? Yes, go ahead. Thank you. The last thing, what is the best method or way or, you know, your uh, scenario to to check the volume for recording? Let me try to explain. For example, when I connect an external unit, for example, a Rodcaster Pro or any any sound card or any, you know, microphone and like, um, while I'm, you know, completing recording, I'm adjusting the sound of the recording while mixing or mustering process. But before starting recording, you know, Instead of monitoring by pressing a fade, is there a way to you know uh, you know increase the volume of the, the the input volume? Is there a way to do that directly in Reaper? Because I'm one of the old Samplitude guy, you know, <laughs> so it's a newbie. Uh, please forgive. So you are attempting to set levels, and you want a reading of where the level is, or or what are you exactly trying to get from? Yeah, the, the the volume of the that I'm you know uh, getting from my microphone, for example, the, the the input volume. I mean, you could. I'm trying to figure out a way if you could, because if you don't monitor the track, Re will the Peak Watcher still no give you audio? One zero. I mean, are I two I'm just I two checking on some things very zero. quickly before I give you a definitive answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm enabling monitoring sometime with F8, but. Uh, I can hear myself without problem, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, okay, this sound level is okay for me. But Follow I'm completing the recording, and after recording, I'm, sh you know, noticing that no, it's uh, so low. You know, it is not oh, minus high as expected. Right. Okay. So you might want to normalize your recording that you've made then. Yeah. So all you would do is select it by selecting the item that it's on, and okay. uh, pressing Shift in. If you have multiple items that you want to normalize, mm -hmm. so let, let's say the track has multiple items, press Control-Alt-A or Command-Option-A on that track. That will select all the items on that track and normalize them to a common gain as if they were all one item. So the whole thing okay. is to peak as opposed to each clip. Another and option might be if you have SWS installed, you can also press Shift-U and then normalize to a LUFS value, and you can do that mm. across the entire track. Correct. For, for, for the selected track or all of uh, You have to do it a track at a time. Well, you can select multiple tracks, I presume, uh, but, uh -huh. but, but, it, but it works either right. There's a combo box, and you can choose either tracks or items to normalize uh, okay. to a LUFS value. Could I make a suggestion? Yeah. Th 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 yeah. Th and uh, Gary, your sound is very high. And, you know, oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, it's, it's not here. Your, your, your sound is absolutely pristine. Don't touch it. No, no, it's very awesome. No, no, it's very awesome. Oh, not high. Oh, oh, means oh, good okay. night. oh that's all right then. <laughs> then my, only, my, my only suggestion, just quickly, uh, as a, as a non-expert here, is if you're trying to set your gain or your volume, rather, as you're, as you're you know, preparing to record... So you, you're you're you know fiddling with the the knob on your on your interface. I quite often you know talk 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 and press the J or the K key, which gives you a the the sort of the. I mean, it's not terribly accurate, but it gives you a vague idea of what how how hot your signal is in um, dB full scale as you talk into an armed track. So if you arm the track, start talking into your microphone. Press the J key on the computer. I mean, that's just for one channel. But if it's say, I mean, if it's a mono channel, mono channel, it doesn't matter. And you just talk and talk and talk. It'll say, you know, minus fifteen, minus fourteen, minus. You know, and you obviously try and name for. I, I, well, I try and name for minus twelve to minus eighteen initial recordings, and that gives you lots of, of headroom.
Fair. Really, thank you. I'll, I'll go ahead and try. Thank you for all information that you have provided. The, happy tinkering. Now, we thank had a whole you. bunch of people <laughs> on the stage at once. Uh, I don't think we've heard there, from Jake oh. yet. Hi, Jake. Yes, there is one thing I'd like to add about the whole metering thing. It's a plugin called Accessible Peak Meter. And the idea, it, for any for those who haven't heard of it, the idea is you can have it at set to a threshold let's say negative 12 db and then like if you if your input exceeds that it will beep that's in the um and that's because there are two modes there's that mode and then there's also continuous mode which acts more like a traditional meter so you can hear like how the level changes over time continuously and you can also change the delay for like you know help for each uh for when the level changes in the meter so yeah, that's a. I uh, just like to provide that tip. Yeah, that's quite a cool tool, isn't it? Because it sort of beeps and carries on and gives you quite a lot of feedback. And they do, I think, a thirty-two and a sixty-four bit version of that plugin. Yep, there are both thirty-two and sixty-four bit ones. There's also an accessible spectrum analyzer. I've not, ha- I have not figured that one out yet, so don't know much about that one. You had to play with either of those plugs in plugs in, Derek. <laughs> Yes, actually, they're uh, quite cool. Yeah, they're quite cool. There you go. I used um, that. That was a lot for cleanup work. Yeah, excellent. All right, let's move on. And uh, thank you for that, Jake. Let's talk to Jessica now. Hi, Jessica. All right. So I just mostly wanted to make a comment because somebody was talking, and maybe um, Derek just didn't overlook it or maybe i'm overlooking something and so derek can correct me right here on the spot you see so the guy (laughs) the guy that was talking about um clipping and um i'm assuming sometimes when you're talking about clipping and because as as you say um a sighted person they can look at at the wave file and see where it's you know flattened out or where it's um um peaky or kind of where it's you know stick you know where it's clipping where it has all those weird little jagged edges um so i think and, and so for a lot of them you know, that's kind of more of a scientific approach and you kind of want to see from a blind perspective, your numbers, like how bad that actually clipped. So Derek was saying the whole control K and then you get to the peak and play and, it, and you can hear it. But couldn't you also like, before you did that, Derek, enable the peak watcher and then he can play it and follow the track that it's on. And then he can see just how over, like if it's over zero DB or how much over zero DB that track. Actually yeah, that went. would give you a lot more information. I think if you were just trying to find like where clipping occurred or where, you know, just to knock it out and you didn't care about the how much part um, that that is finding it, you know, seek and destroy. But absolutely, if you um, want all the info to see how bad it was, uh, well, you could also just normalize the item. And if the item is clipping, it will go down by a specific volume. So you can see just by pressing Alt P or Option P with that item normalized that the take volume goes down and, you know, somewhere in the thing, something was, you know, 5 dB over or 6 dB over. So there's another way to see it too. And then you can decide how you're going to go about finding it or fixing it or you're just going to undo the normalization and put a limiter on it and call it a bad job and just squish it and send it out. (laughs) Very good. Thank you, Jessica. Anything else? Um... I think that's all I've got. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's great. I know you've been using Reaper a while, so I just wanted to check you didn't have any little nuggets you wanted to insert into the mix there. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I have plenty of those, but I I will say um, since synchronous um, has been a big thing lately. Yeah. um, It's it's awesome. I went back to my Motu for one big reason. Um, Jonathan was, was raving about Motu, and I agree. I love my Motu, but they're kind of older. Like if you want, um, so there's some newer things you can get out there, but the point being with synchronous, um, I, before I had my, my Motu back hooked up, I did take, like, <laughs> I was one of those tinkers that took like three different WDM sound cards in an ACO for all device and put them all together in, you know, a virtual interface, kind of like a virtual audio cable. So, um, you know, kind of like a virtual audio interface, excuse me, with uh, ACO for all, and then um, had them all going at different things. The one thing I will say, though, is that's a, you know, great way for things, as Derek said, to fall over. Like my one time I had my screen reader, I forgot 
because you have to make sure none of your listens on Windows are checked too. Because sometimes if you use like VAC, for instance, like I do, which is virtual audio cable, I'll sometimes have listens on and I forget. And so you just have to make sure that like, nothing is looping back where you will have the most horrible feedback. So synchronous is really great as long as you're not using anything else. How would you evaluate its accessibility from a screen reader user's perspective? Um, if you really, you know, really, oh, go ahead, Derek, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, it's pretty easy if you are able to navigate with your, like your JAWS cursor or your object um, navigation in NVDA, because it's one of those silly programs where there are things you can tab through, but not everything is in the tab order. So you think you know, but you don't. Right, right. Right. And I mean, I suppose that p- people are coming into this with various levels of geekdom. And one of the reasons why I started this Blind Podmaker project, and I was talking about this on our creators list, and anybody who's not on that who would like to be, it's a great place. We're having some good conversations. You can send a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker, or one word, dot com. So that's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. We really are having some great discussion. But one of the things that I was saying there was one of the reasons why I started all of this was because, you know, there's a podcast inside many people and they get daunted by the technology. And so some people might be quite happy to have a good play with some of these tools, um, but others may be better if they're starting right now as well. You know, so the audio gear they have right now isn't a consideration because they're just getting into it. I still think if you're doing this in Windows and you're going to be recording a lot from your computer for any reason, you may as well just see if you can find an audio interface that has the loopback built in and save yourself quite a lot of geekery. The reason yeah, you I actually would, I would. end up with both, too, is if you're doing different things, different what are called mixed minuses. Now, of course, these pod track devices, like the one Tim uh, did a demo of, was brilliant, and that takes care of it for us. But you obviously would want to, like what Jonathan, for example, is doing, is sending Clubhouse different audio than he's sending me. Otherwise, I'd hear myself. That's right, yeah. And with just one loop back, you can't do that. No, you can't no. can't do that, no. Yeah, and so then we get into um, all sorts of fun things, like different sends on mixes. And But that's one of the cool things about the Zoom PodTrack P4 that we've been talking about a lot, both on the uh, podcast creators group and here in Clubhouse, that you know the PodTrack P4 is taking care of the mix minus it uh, has a TRRS to TRRS functionality to do the mix minus from the iPhone. It really does simplify things, which I'm all in favor of, you know, because the more people who can mm-hmm. create this content, the better. I may need to look into something like that because I do have, like I said, I have a pretty versatile interface with my Motu Audio Express, but it only has one main mix, really. I can kind of. I've been able to do sort of mix minuses or certain different mixes with VAC. But then again, you're going into virtual audio cable, which isn't as daunting as SAR is, but it's still pretty daunting if you don't know what the heck there's the help documentation is saying, because English isn't his native language. So he it, he's written kind of weird. <laughs> yep. Flatten the curve. Of course, another way, another really um, potentially economical way of, of doing this whole thing, if you don't have a loopback function and you don't, feel comfortable experimenting with these pieces of software is to get a microphone that has both an XLR and a USB output. Mm. Hook the USB to an interface and send that somewhere. Uh, And then the USB connection from the mic can go to another place. So for example, you could blend the Skype and or Zoom or whatever, plus the microphone with your interface but then have your communications program pulling from just the microphone so it doesn't hear itself. And you've inadvertently created a mixed minus with very simple equipment. You've got your loopback and your mixed minus established without having to use any SAR or VAC or anything like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that, that'll work. Yeah, for, for that use case anyway, that'll work. Now you yeah. can't bring in like, oh, we have somebody on Zoom and we're going to bring Zoom into... Teams, yeah, or, or Zoom in, yeah, <laughs> Clubhouse, yeah. You, you, you can't do that. Yeah. All right, thank you so much, Jessica. We'll uh, hear from somebody else who knows a thing or two about uh, Reaper. And Chris Turner is up next. Hi, Chris. You got to unmute yourself there, Chris. Or something. oh, hi guys. Th- there we go. Yeah, good show. I've got um, possibly uh, a quick question. 
Well, I'm okay. just wondering, how are you getting the audio into Clubhouse? Oh, uh, what you need to do is check out Mosin at Large 109, where we have a whole episode on this. But um, what we are doing is we have, um, I'm using an Allen and Heath Z22FX mixer. And I am, how can I explain this? I'm actually hijacking the insert jacks in my mixer. So I have uh, audio going directly from my Focusrite 8i6 to my Heil PR40 for Derek, and also a uh, another cable that gives him an input that takes audio from the iPhone. So he's not hearing the mix, and then the mix is going out to Clubhouse. So it's a convoluted setup, and there are lots of ways to do this depending on the tools that you have at your disposal. But for the actual Clubhouse bit, we've got the... Um, what is that thing? The iRig, the iRig um, oh, two, okay. iRig yeah, yeah. two guitar multimedia interface, which we do talk about at length in Mosin at Large one hundred and nine, because uh, it's a great little device. It's cheap, uh, it's reliable, reputable. But I will probably now that I've ordered my Zoom PodTrack P four, use that instead when it arrives. Cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, uh, that was it. I was just, I was, tr- I was bending my head trying to think how you've done it. Yeah, bent my head to get it going. Actually, <laughs> that's a brain breaker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool! Excellent. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Excellent. Any thoughts on Reaper to share with the world while you're here? Because I know you do. You know a lot of I, Reaper I, things. I love Reaper. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I used to use Sonar um, a few years ago, but even with Cake Talking as was, um, I, obviously technology's moved on processing power. But I find Reaper. I can do things that were kind of beyond my dreams of being able to do in in sonar you know just um just i haven't found something yet that i can't do which may say i've got a paucity of imagination or but um everything i could want to do so far and i'm i'm still learning but it's um it, you can do it and it and it's quick as well it's not you know it lives up to its name yeah yeah, it's, it's a wonderful environment to work in, but I have to say the learning curve of this thing is massive. You know, I, I, when I first started um, with Reaper, I found it really convoluted, uh, and but it, but you persist with it and it becomes muscle memory. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest thing, the biggest um, sort of, you know, kind of um, sort of conceptual kind of thing I found uh, took me a little while to get used to was the sort of items versus tracks because I, you know, I used to use sonar effectively as a, a digital sure. tape machine, um, and it, it took me ages. Like, why can't I just copy it, everything on this track, or why can't I just copy this track and items? And I've deleted the wrong thing or moved the wrong thing. Um, but once you get your head around it, items are so much more flexible, and it, you, you know, it's like um, a kind of modular approach to, to your project. Can I just do a quick bit of housekeeping and say I do hear a screen reader and some typing. So if you're not on, if you're not talking at the moment, please ensure that you're muted. Make sure that when you go to the bottom of the screen, the mute button is selected so we don't hear your typing and your speech and all sorts of things. And it just cleans up the audio. Do either of you want to comment for those who have not used Reaper yet on the concept of tracks versus items and what items mean in a Reaper context for those who are getting to know it? I th- I think um, I'm sure Derek will you know have a lot more to say on this, but I I can't remember if it was Derek or, or on on Carvey course or whether it was on the uh, RWP list, but um, someone described it as tracks, the sort of train analogy. So tracks are like your train track. Um, I'm trying to remember this now. Items are like train oh, carriages. Car- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie Hoth actually and, came up with that one. Yeah. And it's, it's, it really works, and then and then if you, you know, getting more company, you, have, you can have takes, which I guess you could say are like passengers or or cargo oh, or you mean, know, yep. inside the inside, yeah, the, inside uh, the car carriages, yeah. Um, and that the, yeah, so it's everything is kind of uh, modular. You know, you can you can move bits around and and just affect individual um, individual cars and that kind of thing. Beautiful. And, and- in fact, when we were teaching Kavi, sorry, real quick, Jonathan, when we were teaching Kavi, we, we used to actually, um, yeah, because of Kerry, he came up with that. And we actually made this whole little, like, Thomas the Train skit 
and we had the little Thomas the Train music in the background and, and how Thomas the Tank Engine was very upset. He could not get his items in place or whatever. Like, it would be really funny and just make these funny little skits up. It was really cute. So, yeah, just think of items like that. The track is the, the track. The, you know, the item is the car and the take is the people inside the car. Because you can have multiple takes in an item, so. And c- control shift space is your friend in, in finding out what is currently selected. Yes, it is. And one thing that has developed in the last little while is that Osara has become a lot more consistent about keyboard conventions. And so, especially oh, if you're starting was, now, oh, it, it does help to know that, you know, certain functions tend to pertain to certain keyboard combinations tend to pertain to tracks and others pertain to items now. But let me tell you, yeah, when that, that wasn't I mean, so and we had muscle memory going and people, we, you know, oh, we were changing this up. Oh, it was you you were it did throw me you were yeah. killing puppies man you were horrible it's like just deal with it just trust us that kind of change you. is it's hard fine. though to be fair it is it is it hard, is hard but it was worth it, it is ridiculously hard yeah but it's just funny because i think people are funny because you know like i'll, I'll throw myself under the bus i would suggest a change that would make sense and it would be um more uh you know ergonomic or it would be more um you know consistent with with trying to get a convention and i would be like yeah this is a thing and this is great and then somebody would do the same thing and theirs would be just as awesome but i'm used to this other inconsistent thing that i have in my muscle memory so i'm used to it so it's not a good idea and then i'd have to check it my ego at the door and be like oh wait a minute hang on actually no this is pretty cool too so it was fun but yeah if you're just getting started you're coming in at the right time you're not too late it's 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 a great space to work in. Now, we are going to have to wrap this shortly, and I'll do my best to take a couple of uh, other people. We do have more people than we're going to have time for. But I do want to cover, for somebody who doesn't have Reaper on their PC or on their Mac at the moment, the three things that uh, I believe they would need. So they would need Reaper itself, they would need Osara, and they would need SWS, I think it's fair to say. Yes. And reaperaccessibility.com is a good place to start. It's kind of a wiki run by the Reaper community. Uh, You will also find a link to the RWP list, which is obviously Reaper specific. We do talk Reaper a bit on the blind Podmaker group, but of course we talk about all sorts of things on there. Uh, If you want to immerse yourself in Reaper things and uh, get access to a lot of people who know their stuff, then the RWP list, which stands for Reapers Without Peepers, is a really good place to go to subscribe. But your starting place, your jump off point should be reaperaccessibility.com and you get those three things, Reaper and Osara and SWS, which gives you a few extensions. Reaper has a pretty generous demo policy, doesn't it? So you can try it obligation free. Yeah, forever. (laughs) It's uh, (laughs) trustware. That's literally what it's called, is is Trustware. Yeah. So if it adds value to your life, they trust that you will purchase it for 60 bucks. And for those of us who've been around... Otherwise, it will just nag you. For those of us who've been around a while, um, Justin Frankel is involved in this, who did Winamp, which I still use. Nothing beats Winamp for me. And um, yeah, so he's, he's made a good contribution. And there is a good relationship between the RWP community and uh, and Osira and uh, Kokos, who make Reaper. But it's only like 60 bucks for non-commercial use, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so it's worth it, I think. Yeah. So I Reaper, really do. If you take one thing away, go to reaperaccessibility.com and find out what really is worth persisting with. But let's see if we can get a couple more in and talk to Adrian, who was up next. Hi, Adrian. Hi. Can you hear me now? Yep. All right. Great. So, um, um I was trying to come in Reaper a few times and I was even taking some, well, not some, one course in particular, Brian Harden, a, a while ago. I think that one was a course with a different uh, script, was not Osara, it was another one. can't remember its name now. Uh, it was Reaccess. Yes. I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, there clearly is a... Steve Carver learning, you know, when he started with all of this. Yeah, today I'm just jumping into the mailing list of uh, Reaper, which is great. So I'm uh, quite committed to jump now, you know, to embark more seriously in the Reaper uh, with audio editing and this kind of thing. So I'm used with other editors 
But uh, I think what I would like to clarify in, in, in one way it is um, the difference between normalizing a file and loudness normalization. So this is one point. And the other one, it is um, a kind of question. Uh, for example, I've, I watched some videos a while ago from uh, Bob Junkie. I don't know if you know this guy from uh, yes, YouTube. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. sighted guys. Very. Sometimes you have to try and work yes, out yes. The, the blindness yes, concept. Yes. He's really good, though. Very good in terms of demoing mics and this kind of thing. So he also used Reaper. And I've seen there um, something which intrigued me quite a lot. Uh, they effect chains what he's using, loading them in, I don't know, in a kind of profile or something like that, or preset. And he just load up that preset and ready to go. You know, the right par- parameters, the right uh, EQ, the right, you know, the limiter, noise gate, everything is up there. So can we do that from the, you know, screen reader accessibility point of view? Can we yes. replicate all you have to do? Product? So all you have to do is add the effects you want and configure them. Uh either to the interface of the effect if it's accessible or by just, you know, selecting the track when you're outside of the effects list, pressing P, you'll get the context menu that has all of your effects and their associated parameters in it. And then what you would simply do would be to uh, make the changes that you like. Go back into the effects window and press control s and you will save an effects chain save it and then when you go to load the effects press shift a as opposed to pressing a to add an effect press shift a to add an effects chain um and then you'll in a file open dialog just shift tab twice if you're in windows anyway you'll be where your files are by default, this the effects chains go in your Reaper user path in the effects chains folder. So they'll be right there for you. And you just uh, open it up and press enter, and there's all your effects with the uh, parameters associated, saved, and loaded appropriately. Thank you. What's documentation like for... I mean, I guess, has anybody done a written tutorial that sort of covers the basic Reaper usage with Osira. Actually, I'm answering my own question. There are some FAQs and things on that Reaper accessibility that tell you how to do certain things, including a sidechain and some quite complex things. So again, that's quite a good place to start, isn't it, for things like applying effects and making a basic recording. If you just run this thing, as you said at the beginning, Derek, you you run Reaper for the first time and you think, well, okay, what the heck do I do now? That's where the Reaper Accessibility Basic Wiki stuff can be very helpful to get you going and making your first recording, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, Garth Humphreys has put together several resources that are audio-related as well. His resources are absolutely fantastic. I, I found them very, very clear. They're concise, absolutely brilliantly done. Um, but I'm I not sure that. if he's they're, yeah, they're fantastic. really, really well done. But I'm not sure if he's updated them for the new Osira keys, has he? No. So that I don't might think be one so. downside. But uh, I hope he does because they're absolutely amazing. Uh, if if there's one tool that really got me rocking with Reaper, it was Garth's stuff. It's the place to start, I think, um, in terms of getting the stuff installed and things like that. I mean, it's. I don't think much of that would have changed, as, as it were. So, what, what's his website? Um, where it's did, where Reproducer, I think he calls oh, it, it, REA yeah. Producer. Yeah. It's also available in the podcast. If you search in the podcast um, directory, also you can find those uh, tutorials. So, uh, you know, I, I'm i okay with that. I'm, I'm able, you know, to, to use it up to the recording and making the uh, basic edits on the Reaper. I, I have no problems with that. You know, yeah. I was thinking one step forward. <laughs> yeah, very, very well done. All right, I'm going to just go fractionally over and we'll just have one more 
And I apologize to those we didn't get to, but let me encourage you before people start disappearing uh, to to subscribe. Uh, the RWP list is obviously the definitive place for all things Reaper for discussion. But if you want to continue in the context of the wider discussion about all sorts of gear and techniques relating to blind podcasting, you can send a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. We would love to see you there. Brian, you are the lucky last. Welcome. Hey guys, how you doing, Derek? Uh, John. Oh man, I'm uh, good. Hey. As uh, a recent student of Derek's, you guys uh, first off have done a fantastic job today covering some more of the advanced features of Reaper. But I have heard from a few people that were listening in that are now petrified and scared to death. I got some text messages behind the scenes of Reaper, and I just thought you guys might want to mention that I am. As long as you're a good screen reader user, it's pretty easy to get going with Reaper. And I thought you just might want to mention how basic it is. For me, I had no editing experience, and I picked it up uh, with lessons in about two, three months and everything. So just wanted you to speak to those in the room that may not have any experience editing ever before. Well, while I may have a lot of experience editing, self-promotion is something that I'm actually quite poor at. Um, and what, what I can say is that if be it Garth, me, whoever you go with, who is doing Reaper training, um, if you do have someone that you can mesh with that can lead you through getting things going, it can be a fun process. It can be an easy process where you just break it down step by step, as opposed to the whole huge sum uh, going, you know, it was cool working with Brian. We got some project templates, some uh, some effects chains and stuff going, so that he knows exactly in his Reaper where to go to make certain things happen and sound good. He's got uh, he's working with some the volume normalization stuff we were talking about. We we're talking about bringing different kinds of files, placing them exactly on the tracks where they need to go. Uh, doing fancy things like uh, taking music that's a little longer or a little shorter than your bed or your um, voiceover and fitting the music to the appropriate length, uh, making sure everything doesn't go too loud by putting limiters in the appropriate places, uh, using the silence reduction stuff in Reaper to get rid of extraneous noises from people on tracks who are coughing or squeaking chairs, things like that. On and on and on and on and on. So that uh, the level of editing he was able to do in his podcast, The Real Blind Tech Show. Uh, yeah, I've seen that step up, and he's rocking it. Yeah. And let, and let me just say to the people out there, my head felt like it was going to explode at first. Derek can attest to that. But if you stick with it like anything, you will get it eventually. And I'm somebody who had never had any experience with editing uh but then the great thing was Derek was working on a PC. I was working on a Mac. So it doesn't matter what system you are on. It's very easy to transfer over. I mean, I would say this. If all you have at the moment, so we've had quite a few audio geeks to, on the uh, podcast today. And that's just the way that this goes sometimes, you know, the, the people who turn up and the people who raise their hand. So it has been a geekyish discussion. But I would say yeah. this. If you have, say, a, a, a notebook computer and nothing more than a USB headset, you can still plug that USB headset in and start recording with Reaper. You could take an MP3 or an M4, or M4A is actually a bit more troublesome with Reaper, but you could, you could take it, it's doable, but it's more okay. troublesome to get going. Yeah. You could take an MP3 file and put it into Reaper and just play with editing it. That You can just play, there's nothing you can break. And the other thing I would also say is that um, something you said, Brian, uh, triggered this for me. You can also set up what are called templates, and those templates can pertain to individual tracks or they could pertain to entire projects. So I have about four, I think, regular audio projects that I work on, and I have templates for each of them. So when, for example, I start producing the final mix of Mosin at Large, I load that in. And there are immediately the number of tracks that I use with different value sets. The intro is already in there on track one at the very beginning of the recording. Various things like that. Once you know what you're doing in Reaper, 
you can significantly automate the process by using templates and various other tools like that uh, and and effects presets as well um, and effects preset chains. So there's a very little known thing out there that I don't hear a lot of blind people talking about called the Reaper stash. And that's actually part of the Reaper uh, website itself, the, the actual you know original Reaper website. And on the Reaper stash, you can find all sorts of things, including effects chains. And when I was getting started, I did a search on the effects chain part of the Reaper stash and found a lot of um, broadcasting type processing that is used for podcasting, different types of limiting, compression, and some of them just have the built-in Reaper plugins that come with it. And you can just add that to individual tracks or your master track. There's there's so much that you can play with with a little bit of basic knowledge. So please don't be daunted. And if there's one thing a lot of Reaper enthusiasts love doing, it's like turning other people onto Reaper. <laughs> so there's no shortage of help out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Very true. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a wonderful tool. Please don't be discouraged. Um, just start wherever you're at and ask for help. And uh, I hope that this will encourage people to give it a go. It, it is honestly now the only tool that I have for recording, um, whether I'm just recording something quick and then just re- you know, rendering it to a MP3 file for someone or doing multi-track projects. I think it's amazing that we have on our computers now, even a reasonably low-spec laptop computer, magnitudes more power than the Beatles had when they recorded Sgt. Pepper, which is a bit humbling, really. <laughs> just oh, amazing. the Beatles? Who are they? Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame the Beatles didn't have Reaper when Sgt. Pepper was... Yeah, but they, they did that in four tracks um, by ping-ponging a little bit. So they, so they kind of... You know, bounced a whole lot of things bounced onto three one track. one and then yeah, took yeah. the other three. And yeah. yeah, and daisy chaining a couple. But all they had were four-track recorders. So um, thank you, Derek, very much for introducing us to Reaper. Uh, just some key takeaways, reaperaccessibility.com. How can people get hold of you, though, Derek, if um, you know, people would like to learn more and maybe do some Reaper training with you? I am uh, accessible through Twitter at DGL1984. You can email me info, I-N-F-O, at lanesaudio.com. That's no punctuation or spaces or anything. L-A-N-E-S-A-U-D-I-O dot com. And you Um, are no relation to Penny, right? Correct. Because we were just talking about the Beatles, so I wanted to make sure you weren't related to Penny Lane. No. Even after all these years, I've yet to have anybody born (laughs) in the family whose name is Penny. (laughs) Yeah. One of these days. Yeah. All right. So this is good. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I'm sure we will talk about Reaper again in subsequent editions. So for those who we couldn't get to, um, we will come back to Reaper. And you're welcome to keep the discussion going on our, our Blind Podcast Creators group. So thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we will be back next week. I believe next week we are having a look at the Roadcaster uh, device. And we'll look forward to finding out about that then. See you then. Thanks for your company.